Can we even trust the Bible since it was written by men? Hasn't the Bible been changed over the years? Do we even know what the original said? What about all those errors that are in it? We're going to be tackling all these questions and more in today's episode. Stay tuned. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Finding Common Ground where we talk about various issues and topics going on in the world but from a biblical perspective where we allow the word of God to be our standard. As always guys, thank you again for tuning in to another episode. Can't say enough how much the support means. Also, if there's any topics that you guys want me to cover or uh, want me to address or questions that you have, you can send them to the Finding Common Ground Instagram account. It's uh, just Finding Common Ground underscore. Send me any uh, TikToks or anything like that that you want me to respond to. Um, or just questions that you have, and uh, we can make an episode out of it. So today we're going to be talking about can we trust the Bible? And um, this is an important topic, one, because in a relativistic society where everyone wants to say um, my truth and your truth, and there's no one objective standard, um, I think it's important for Christians to uh, be able to uh, argue or Uh, explain why we actually needed an objective standard. And for Christians, that standard is God, and he's given us the word of God, and uh, that is what we base our faith, our trust in. And so it goes without saying that we need to uh, give a reason for why we trust the Bible, and uh, that's what today's episode is going to be about. And so part of the reason I came to this uh, episode or this conclusion or um, topic for today's episode is just talking to a lot of different people uh, for different walks of life, and everyone has... Uh, I, I tend to talk to people that uh, have are in different religions, and so I just think it's fascinating uh, to hear their perspective. And so I talked to a lot of people, and I've noticed, like, some, some uh, in some shape or form, they all have a type of holy book or type of text, unless you're dealing with Hinduism. But uh, Mormons have their, uh, they have their version of the Bible. Uh, Jehovah Witnesses have their translation. Um, and some, to some, uh, sects of Christianity, well, I wouldn't call it Christianity, but there's people out there that use the Bible to make it say a lot of their different uh, ideologies and things. And so people are using the Bible, people are using their different texts. And so how do we make sense of all of this? And so that's kind of why I want to talk about the Bible. So this will probably be a series. If you guys love this episode and uh, want me to continue, I'll probably just keep going through uh, the Bible since it's such an important book to a lot of us. Um, So today I'm going to be talking about the authorship And then also why I think a lot of people uh, find it hard to trust the Bible. And uh, maybe the next time I'll talk about the canon or how we got the certain books in the Bible and stuff like that. So just let me know. Uh, But today's episode, we're going to be talking about can we trust the Bible, specifically looking at who wrote it and then some of the reasons I think that uh, people lack trust in the Bible. And so the first thing I want to talk about is what we call our Christians or I'm learning in seminary is the inspiration uh, the Bible was inspired by God. And what, simply what that means is that uh, it has human authors since they wrote it down. They're the ones that put pen to paper, but God, through the Holy Spirit, inspired these people to make sure that they were writing what God wanted to be written down. And so a lot of times uh, people who, like one objection is that we can't trust, trust the Bible because it was written by men. 
Well, by that logic, we can't trust our textbooks. We can't trust news reports. We can't trust what you see on social media as far as like reports or accounts of certain things. And by that logic, everything ever written by men is un- is not trustworthy. And so when you kind of think about that objection, it's like it really goes out the window because you'd have to get rid of everything because everything was written by humans. You wouldn't even know. You wouldn't even be able to understand history. And so we don't really need it. That argument doesn't make much sense. But I think it's an opportunity to explain how we got the Bible, who wrote it, and what we mean by that. So looking at the uh, inspiration, I have this quote. It says, or this is from a paper I wrote, uh, basically explaining that the human, the Bible has human authors, which we acknowledge were a part of the process to bring forth scripture. Um, and it's uh, the reason you have to, the reason I'm emphasizing that it was written by humans is because there's, it's twofold. It had human authors, but God was the main author. And so inspiration is, this is by a quote from Carl Henry, who says, inspiration is a supernatural influence of the Holy Spirit upon divinely chosen agents, which the consequence is writings that become trustworthy and authoritative. So because it's God, uh, another example is like the scripture was the sailboat, the, pe- the people who wrote the, the Bible, Paul and all those other guys, were the sailboat and the Holy Spirit was the wind. So the Holy Spirit was guiding them and directing them to where they needed to go. And so because God is the sole source and the sole authority behind their words, that's why it becomes authoritative in our life. And so if you're wondering where we get this from, 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17 talk about that or say that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so one of the things I think about when it comes to the Bible is what does the Bible say about itself? And so in 2 Timothy 3, 2 Timothy 3 the verse I just read, is saying that scripture is God-breathed one, and it's also saying it's capable of correcting us, teaching us, rebuking us, and training us in righteousness, or in other ways, in other words, how to live correctly in the eyesight of God, so how to please God. And then it also says it's to equip us for every good work, so that means the Bible is able to help us in all the things that God wants us to do, so our calling, our purpose, etc. And then also a complaint or an objection is that the Bible has been changed over the years. Well, one of the things I've, I've shared on this uh, podcast is that when it comes to the Bible, a lot of people think it was just a book. So we have the book today, but back then there was, these were letters spread across the different churches. And so they would rotate these letters. They would send them to each other. And so you didn't have the whole like Bible all in one place. And so for somebody to say that the Bible has been changed, it would be like say when Obama was president, it'd be like collecting all of those magazines or all those newspapers and then changing the print and every single place that place went. Every, every single place that newspaper went, we that would be hard to do today, and so it's even more, or it's even more hard to believe that they could have done that back then. So when anyone says that, you have to ask them how did they come to that conclusion, or what do you might mean by it's been changed? Because we, like I said, we have manuscript evidence, copies of the manuscripts passed down over time that show us the ones we have today. That's why the Dead Sea Scrolls were so important. The ones we have today our match what we had back then. And so when it comes to the Bible being changed over time, uh, we also have God addressing this or the Bible addressing this when it talks about in Matthew 24, 35 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And so one of the reasons why I think it's not hard to believe that God can preserve his word and it hasn't been changed over time 
is that he's given us the process of ma- the manuscript tradition for us to look at the manuscripts ourselves and see if things have been changed. But then also God promises that his word will never pass away. It's all, it's, it will all, he will preserve it. And so the reason we can trust the Bible is because God's the ultimate authority behind it, but also he has promised to preserve his word. And that looks like through the, through the manuscript tradition. And so let's talk a little bit about the manuscript tradition because a lot of people when it t- comes to the Bible, don't really, like I said, with the with the understanding of the Bible and what it is, um, there's a lot of misunderstandings. And so I want to kind of look at some of the arguments I hear on social media about the Bible having errors or mistakes or anything like that or s- things like that. And so um, God promises to preserve his word. And if God create, in my opinion, is God create the whole world out of nothing, can surely make sure his word is reliable and trustworthy. And again, part of that's through the manuscript tradition. And so I want to address some of the complaints or objections when it comes to the manuscripts that we have or the idea that the Bible has errors. And so uh, one of the things, before we move on to that, I want to say God has left evidence, uh, historical, archaeological, and even prophetic evidence that supports the Bible being the word of God. So God's not telling us to believe believe the Bible just because I think God's been faithful enough to allow us to see that it has been preserved. And so we're going to look at a couple examples uh, through the manuscript tradition, but a couple examples that help us see that God has done what he said he would do. And so one of the examples I found was uh, Lysanasius. Um, Critics had a problem with Luke 3.1, where it speaks of Lysanasius as being the governor or ruler of Abilene at this time and during the time of John the Baptist. And this was considered an error up until this point in history because as far as the record showed, there was no licenses of being the governor at this time. And so critics would say this was an error uh, with the Bible until there was an inscription found by, uh, there was an inscription found with the name of licenses as a ruler in Abilene. And so they found this inscription that proved what the Bible said all along. And so this discovery introduced the theory of two rulers with the same name, one about 50 years after the one, or one about 50 years prior to the one mentioned in Luke 13. And so what we have here is, uh, what's, what we have here is basically, at this time, it was considered an error, but God provided an inscription that showed, hey, that knows that not an error, there was actually two people with the same name at this time. Another example is the Hittites. So critics claim that the Hittites, uh, in Genesis, mentioned in Genesis 15:20, Exodus 3:8, and Joshua 1:4, were basically mythical people. Um, that's what the claim was. But at the end of the 19th century, monuments were found that dis- monuments were discovered by William Wright, proving that these people actually did exist. And so the Bible was right once again. And so what I'm the reason I'm going through these examples is to show you that like God's not just telling you to believe the Bible just because, but He gives us evidence, He gives us proof, He gives us reasons and logical reasons, logical conclusions to show that his Bible, he's done what he said. He has preserved his word. And so the last example is Pontius Pilate, the one that agreed to crucify Jesus when all the Jews came to, uh, were screaming, crucify Jesus. Pontius Pilate's the one that said, you know, I don't want no part of this, but you guys go do your justice. Do what, he, he gave him over to the Jews, basically. Anyway, so many scholars uh, began to doubt the existence of Pontius Pilate throughout history. But that all changed in 1961 when a piece of limestone was found 
that inscribed that had the inscribed name of Pontius Pilate on it. So an Italian archaeologist uh, archaeologist by the name of Dr. Antonio Frova came across this discovery while he was excavating an ancient Roman theater in Caesarea, Israel. So in 2018, archaeologists also identified a 2,000-year-old capital oil ring bearing Pontius Pilate's name as well. And again, this is according to an article in the New York Times. And so again, we have critics saying there's errors in the Bible, something doesn't line up, and then God says, boom, here's some evidence for you. I know what I'm talking about. And so I think as Christians, when we understand, one, how we got the Bible, who wrote it, and that it's not just humans, it's God behind it, that allows us to trust it. But then also when we understand or we look into some of the evidence that God has left for us to trust the Bible and know that these were real people at a real time, at a real place, and it's verifiable through archaeology, history, um, and accounts like that. And so the reason I'm talking about some of the errors is because um, when it comes to the manuscript tradition, the argument of the consensus is that the manuscripts are, there's the variances in the manuscripts, and so some of the variances are, uh, like the examples I gave, where there's inconsistencies with historical records, but then there's also variances, there's also quote-unquote errors that they talk about that have to deal with, um, like, varying names or, like, locations. So, it could, not location, varying names. So, like, some of the examples are the akin to variances are akin to, if I spelled out J-O-H-N, you would know that to John, but in some manuscripts it would have J-H-N or J-O, no N, no H, but an N. And so the letters are missing, but you can, if you have them all together, you can say, okay, that says John. So one says J-O-H. The other one says J-O-N. The other one says O-H-N. The other one says J-N-O-O and H-N. And so you can, when you have them all up, you can say, oh, that says John. And so majority of the, man, the quote unquote variances or errors are things like that, where we have all the manuscripts, you can accurately tell what the original was going to say. And so one of the things that I also, so moving on to the next point, a lot of the things I, t I hear people talk about as well is when it comes to the different translations. And so we kind of looked at how we can trust the Bible. So I talked about who wrote it, inspiration, uh, manuscript evidence, and then gave you some of the examples. Now I want to move into kind of what I think why or why I think a lot of people lack a trust in the Bible. And I think it starts, starts with um, not understanding why we have the Bible in the place. So we looked at the fact that all scripture is God-breathed, meaning God is the author behind it, and it's capable of equipping us to be to do every good works and also is able to teach us, rebuke us, correct us. And so one of the reasons we have to understand why we got the Bible is so we know its purpose. Because when you don't know the purpose of something, that's why we have a lot of people misusing it, because they don't understand what it's for in the first place. So I want to pull up a scripture for us. 2 Timothy 3.15 tells us that scriptures don't make scripture, the purpose of scripture is to make us wise into salvation. Or in uh, verse 15 says, this is the NLT, says, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scripture, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Another version says, you have been taught the Holy Scripture from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. So one, another reason we have the Bible is to give us salvation and help us know God and know Jesus. And so when you look at the story of the Old Testament, in the New Testament, you have Christ concealed in the Old Testament and Christ revealed in the New Testament. 
And so to think about it, you have, I think Frank puts it, you have Frank Turek has, you have Genesis lost in, or Paradise lost in Genesis, and you have Paradise gained in Revelation. And so the whole story is God, God bringing forth a chosen nation to bring forth a chosen Messiah to bring salvation for all mankind. And so when you read the Bible and you understand, okay, this is to help me live a godly life. God is equipping me through the Bible to do every good work. And then it's also about Jesus to bring forth or to reveal who Jesus is and to help him make him, to make him known and for my own salvation. And it alleviates a lot of the wrong interpretations people have. And when you don't understand this, reliable to believe the word of faith movement that God just wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and rich at all times and no bad thing to happen. Or like you can fall into the other side where it's like when it comes to like Hebrew Israelites or stuff like that, it can, it can be twisted to manipulate and make yourself superior and everybody else lower. Like whatever the, whatever the ideological, you can fill in the blank, whatever ideological pivot people have when it comes to reading the scripture, it's, if it's not rooted in Jesus Christ, Salvation for all, equipping us to do God's will. Nine times out of ten, it's not lining up with Scripture. And so you can look at this when you're, you can, you're able to identify things when it doesn't line up with what Scripture says about itself. And so the point of the Bible is for us to know Christ Jesus, our Lord, and to draw closer to him. And so one of the things I think also when it comes to why people fail to trust the Bible or don't trust the Bible is because they try to make it fit into things it wasn't ever made to fit into. And so that's like when we have people who have science or not science, when people try to make the Bible be a science book and try to explain everything like to a T when it wasn't created to be a science book. It wasn't created for you to help to teach you how to do chemistry or to, um, you know, it wasn't, it's like trying to put a square in a round hole. It was never made to do that. And so when we try to make the Bible do things it was never made to do, that leads to people abusing the Bible, twisting it to make it say something, or causing people to be confused and have a lack of understanding or clarity. Another reason is when it comes to the trend, the different translations, people don't understand the translations as well, and they think, oh, these are all different versions. Like when I talk to a lot of my Muslim, Muslim friends sometimes, They'll say, don't you guys have different versions of the Bible? Well, when it comes to translations, they're not different versions. Most translations or all translations that are credible are trying to take what the author originally said in their original language, in their context, and bringing it into our English understanding and our English context. And I'll give an a example of that. So I read the, sometimes I read the KJV, and I read John 1, 5, when it says, uh, and the darkness shined, shined in the light, and the and the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Now, when I first read that, I'm like, comprehend means to understand. So the darkness didn't understand the light. I'm like, okay, I guess. But when I found uh, my Hebrew Bible or my Hebrew dictionary, I looked up the word comprehend in Hebrew, and it means to overcome. And so when I understood what it meant in the original language, I'm like, okay, that makes a lot more sense. So when it comes to translations, the reason we have different ones is because they're trying to take the author's original words and original language and the essence behind it and then help us put it into our mod more modern context. Now they're not changing the they're not changing the words or anything as far as like like the meaning overall meaning behind it, but they're trying to help us understand it. And so that's why you have some more literal translations and that's why you have some more uh they call it dynamic translations. Where it's like what is the heart behind it? And so the translations are a good thing, and that's why I recommend people to read multiple ones so you can get 
different understandings of what's in. If you don't read Greek or Hebrew, you won't understand it, but you won't understand like the different nuances just reading it on its surface. But when you read the different translations, you see the different things that the Greek pulls out or the original language pull out that may not be noticeable if you just read one English translation. And so it's actually a blessing to have multiple translations because you're also getting different uh, different nuances in the text that aren't always available with one translation or the other. So that's another reason I feel like a lot of people can uh, have a lack of trust in the Bible. And then the last one is, I think when it comes to uh, trusting the Bible, is the different, like I kind of mentioned earlier, the different takes people have on reading the Bible. And so a lot of times we have these words where it's eisegesis or exegesis. So exegesis, you take the word, what's on the page, and you get the meaning from that. And the other the other way people try to read the Bible is they have their own conce- conceptions and understandings. And when they read the Bible, they read all their understanding into the Bible. And so when it says something, uh, when it mentions slavery, they're thinking all all they're thinking everything they ever heard about in the civil rights movement in the 1700s. That's slavery, and so that's not the case when it comes to the Bible in terms of slavery. But you're taking all your understanding of slavery and applying it to the word in the Bible, and so that would be the wrong way to do it. The, the correct way is to look up what slavery was in that context in that time period and what it looked like, rather than taking your 21st century mindset of slavery and applying that to the text. And so that's another reason people have, uh, I feel like people have trust issues is because people who do that type of thing are loud and are uh, persuasive and say these things. And then when we don't understand how we got the Bible, who wrote it, the different dynamics that go into play, and then we don't have the evidence that support it, then we can be, we can lose faith in the thing that God calls us to uh, read every day, study, and to be our foundation. And so just to recap, I want to talk about, um, or just to recap, I want to talk about the importance of the Bible in, in and of itself. So like when we have the Bible, um, like I said, it's to help us know God and help us walk in uh, a way that pleases him. And so when we understand why we have the Bible, we understand what its purpose is, we understand why God gave it to us. We understand it helps. it's to help us know God. That will give you, like, parameters. That will give you boundaries for when other people will, yeah. It will give you boundaries for when people cause or want you to doubt the things that it says. But it will also give you boundaries to stay in line with the way God wants you to live. So, like, like I mentioned earlier, people in the Word of Faith movement will try to have you believe that the Bible teaches that you need to be wealthy, healthy at all times. Well, if you understand how you got the Bible, you understand why God gave it to us, you're going to be like, all right, that's not actually right. But if you don't know those things, you're, you're able to, what Paul says, always be swayed to and fro from every wind and doctrine. And I don't want that for you guys. And so I have two E's that I think uh, will help us going forward when it comes to understanding the Bible and just knowing God's general will for our lives. And I think it's evidence and experience. And so I gave you guys some evidence earlier when it came to the Linasis, uh, Pontius Pilate's inscription, and the Hittites. But now I want to give you what I think will help you trust the Bible more as well, is which is experience. And so I want to give you an example from when I was an undergrad. I would read the Bible, and I would read a Proverbs a day. And I would take a couple of the verses in Proverbs, and then I would just live them out. And one of the things God told me back then, what I still do today, is 
up until that point, I was complaining that God wasn't doing X, Y, Z in my life. And he's like, what are you talking about? How am I going to do these things when you're not, you're not even living by my teachings? And so I would pick about a couple of verses out of the chapter, and then I would read them for myself. And then I would just apply them. So, like, I remember one, I would always argue with my one of my with uh, one of my brothers or my friends, not like any anything serious, but we would just always go back and forth. And sometimes I'd be mad about it. And I remember there was a verse in the Bible that said, "Don't always be like being so quick to speak or to argue with fools." Not that my friends are fools, but it's like it was like watch your tongue, watch what you say. And I was like, hmm, let me let me apply that. And so I think that week or that month, I would stop being so quick to respond. And then I started seeing fruit of the the fruit of that and we got closer and we had been more genuine genuine conversations and things like that and so i would just do that for uh every every chapter that every chapter that i would read and then over time god would show me through those time through those through the application of those verses that his word is true that it works that it's um, that it's it really is living and active and so one of the reasons i'm giving you the experience one of the reasons I'm talking about experience is because also the boundaries that you have when you understand the purpose of the Bible. Another boundary that you have is, you know, your experience with the Bible. And so when the, one of the most powerful testimonies you have is when somebody, uh, when somebody needs your, your help or your guidance and then you can tell them exactly what God did for, for you and you can give them assurance that they're in a similar sh- situation that God would do the same for them. And so you have that experience not because of something you heard, but because of something you've lived through and that God has uh, given you firsthand experience with. And uh, real quick, I also want to preface the experience by, uh, again, understanding or your experience is backed up by Scripture. And when I mean backed up by Scripture, I mean that talks that is it's in alignment with what God teaches. And so we live in a, in a world where everyone talks about my truth and my experience. And one of the problems with that is, one, we're living in a fallen world, and we're fallen humans ourselves, but also our experience can be distorted. So I, I, read, a, I read an article that talked about, I should have pulled it up, but I read an article that talked about how, as Christians, or not as Christians, I read an article about how in court, witnesses can be uh, remarkably unreliable sometimes. But they're still, they're still used in court, and they're still really good, but this article is just talking about how we can misremember things to where people are fully convinced that what they saw is what they what they saw is was fact. And then the article just talked about how or gave examples of people. Oh, I know for a fact this person had on a green jacket and a red hoodie, like a green jacket with under a red hoodie or whatever it was. And then evidence would come out later. And it was like this dude had on a black hoodie and a white hat. <laughs> and so now uh, the reason I'm saying that is just to give you an example of uh, like a real life example, but then also just how our experiences can be wrong. And so our experiences have to be checked with the word of God. But when God gives you those experiences, like I talked about, with, he was giving me with Proverbs, those are also anchors to, to let you know that you can trust God, you can trust the word, and that uh, it is reliable. And so uh, wrapping up this podcast, guys, just remember the evidence that God has for us. So when someone asks you why you trust the Bible, you can talk talk to them about the evidence that God has been so gracious to leave us to leave us, and then also your experience with the Bible uh, that's in alignment with the Word of God. And so that's it for today's episode, guys. Like I said, definitely send me any topics that you want me to cover uh, to the Finding Common Ground Instagram account. It's Finding Common Ground underscore. Uh, Send me any episodes, topics you want me to cover, any TikToks you want me to respond to, or anything like that. 
And uh, I'm going to pray, and that'll be it. So, Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Uh, just thank you for the wisdom uh, that you've prepared for people uh, who want to know about you, God, who want to know your word, and I've been so gracious to uh, leave an account. So thank you for helping me in my preparation for this episode, God. Uh, thank you for the examples that you've given me. Thank you for uh, just the wisdom uh, you give me to articulate your word, God, and why we know uh, it's trustworthy. And so I just pray for everyone on the sound of my voice, God, that they uh, feel more equipped to share the, what share the reason that they believe in the Bible, God, share why uh, it's trustworthy and why it ultimately matters. Um, thank you for sending your son to die for us, God. I pray that we uh, take the onus of that and that we are good stewards of the gift that you've given us and that we'll share this information uh, with those we love and with those we care about and those who don't know because uh, how will they know if we don't preach? So I just pray for uh, peace, God, for those listening uh, in their lives. We know this, uh, this world is getting crazier every day. And so I just pray for everyone to have the peace of God, to have the wisdom of God, and to have the heart of God, and to uh, let love win in all, in all scenarios. And this is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So that's it for today's episode, guys. Can't say enough how much the support means. And I'll see you guys next episode. I'm your host, Jeremiah Chandler, and you're listening to Finding Common Ground, where we unite where we can unite, divide when we must divide, but in all we do, keeping Christ at our side. Love you guys. Take care. Thank you.